Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of Murder and Misery. My name is Heather and I know very little about true crime. Last season I knew nothing, now I know a little. <laughs> My name is Jillian and I'm a little bit more of a true crime expert than I was last year. True. We started this podcast so that I could learn more about true crime because Jill is obsessed and I am terrified and it's actually worked out pretty well and I haven't been too scared and so hopefully you won't be too scared either and maybe you'll learn something. If you're new to our podcast, each week Jill tells us a new story, including both local and national cases. Now let's get started with season two. Today's episode was a request from my cousin Laura, so thank you for requesting this case. This case contains mention of child abuse and child sexual assault, so listener discretion is advised. We're going to start in San Antonio, Texas on August 23rd of 1943. This is where Rodrigo Jaquez Acala Bercor was born to Raul Acala Bercor and Ana Maria Gutierrez. When he was around eight, Rodney, which is what we're going to call him for short because that was his name, and the other one's really hard to pronounce. He moved to Mexico with his family, but after three years, his father abandoned their family and left them in Mexico. After this, Rodney and his mother and siblings moved back to the United States, to Los Angeles, California. At the age of 17, Rodney joined the Army, but was discharged for medical reasons in 1964. This was after he went AWOL after suffering a nervous breakdown. After a mental health evaluation, he was given the diagnosis of antisocial personality disorder. According to the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, the 5th edition, APD, which is antisocial personality disorder, is basically how a disorder where people can do whatever without any remorse. People with APD may be habitual criminals or engage in behavior which would be grounds for criminal arrest and prosecution, or they may engage in behaviors which skirt the edges of the law or manipulate to hurt others in non-criminal ways. These are regarded as unethical, immoral, and irresponsible, and not in social norms. Those with APD often possess an impaired moral conscience They make decisions driven purely by their own desires without considering the needs or negative effects that they may do to others. So a lot of times people use the term psychopathy or psychopath and they're used in the same context simultaneously. I know a lot of people hear the term antisocial and think of people who are loners or don't have friends, but in this term psychologically that is untrue. People who have APD tend to have many friends because they mold their personalities to specific people. That was a lot, but that's your mental health tidbit of the month or mm-hmm. the day, or even probably not, because we're probably getting more of it at the end of this. Some also believe Rodney may have also suffered from borderline personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, psychopathy, and sexual sadism, which is enjoying inflicting pain onto others for sexual gratification. After being discharged from the army, He went to attend California State University and then finished out his degree of fine arts at UCLA. He graduated in 1968 and then left to California after he had been caught luring an eight-year-old girl named Tally Shapiro into his apartment 
He beat her with a steel bar before sexually assaulting her. But thankfully, an eyewitness that was passing by in a vehicle saw him lure her into his apartment and called the police, thinking possible abduction. So Tally was rescued and Rodney fled the scene. After fleeing Tally, he went to New York where he attended the university under the alias John Berger, B-E-R-G-E-R. During the summers, when he was on break from film school, he got a counseling job at New Hampshire Art Camp for Children, where he used a similar alias. This time it was John Berger. Instead of B-E-R-G-E-R, he changed the E to a U. Very clever. After Tally's attack, he was put on the 10 Most Wanted Fugitives by the FBI. And being on this list is how two kids who attended the arts camp that he counseled at noticed him. They saw an FBI poster at the local post office that had Rodney on it. Now, of course, Rodney to them was John, but thankfully they told someone and he was arrested and taken back to California. But Tally's parents had moved all to Mexico and they wouldn't allow her to testify at the trial. So since they didn't have a witness, they couldn't really charge him or weren't going to charge him with rape and attempted murder. So they instead convicted him of child molestation and he was sentenced to three years, but he was paroled in 1974 after just 17 months of serving. This was because of indeterminate sentencing, which was a program that allowed offenders to be released if they showed signs of rehabilitation. Two months after he was released, he was arrested again for providing marijuana to a 13-year-old girl, but the 13-year-old girl named Julie said that she had been kidnapped when she was just trying to get a ride from him. But apparently, I don't know. It was weird because it was assault, but then they said it was just providing drugs to a minor. I don't know. Which it actually was, but I believe her. So, he was sentenced again and then released after two years in 1977. This time, his parole officer let him travel to New York, which should have never been allowed because he was a repeat offender and a known flight risk considering he had fled after Tally's attack. Mm -hmm. Ridiculous. But they let him go, and we now believe that a week after he had gotten into Manhattan, Rodney killed Ellen Jane Hoover, who was a 23-year-old daughter of a popular nightclub owner. She was also the goddaughter of Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr. Unfortunately, Ellen Jane Hoover's remains were found under rocks near the Hudson River. In 1978, Rodney worked at the Los Angeles Times, which is like weird, but while he was working there, he was also interviewed by a task force that was set up. So he's pretending still working at the Los Angeles Times? No, like he actually got a job there. But like knowing who he was? I don't know because we'll figure out later. These people just did not backtrack people. Okay. So I don't know if they knew. But then again, he did get interviewed because he was like a sexual predator. So whenever he, whenever he went to New York and he murdered this girl... They did not know that. They just didn't know that he, no. he murdered her. And then he came back and his parole officer was like, thanks for coming back. And then they just continued on. Is that what happened? I think so, yeah. Oh, okay. Because you had mentioned, like, flight risk. So I thought that he was going to, like, run away again. No, like, yeah. He, he I guess, just went there, did whatever, and then, like, came back. Um, okay. But he was actually working there. Not doing, like, super important stuff. But, um... I guess they had to have known that he was, like, at least a sexual predator because these people interviewed him 
uh, a task force that was set up for the Hillside Strangler, who was a serial killer that was unknown at the time. So that entire task force interviewed Rodney, but ruled him out as being the Hillside Strangler. But he was arrested again after this and served a short sentence for possession of an illegal substance, which was marijuana. After being released for a third time, Rodney pretended to be a professional fashion photographer, and he had convinced hundreds of young men and women to be a part of his, quote, portfolio. He lived many different lives. Yes. Jack of all trades. Mm -hmm. Many of these minors were photographed. Keep in mind, he's a sexual predator. Many of these photographs were taken with the minors being unclothed and lewd. In September of 1978, during his time pretending to be a professional photographer, he went on a TV show, which was a dating game show called The Dating Game. Basically, in this game, well, at least on this episode, I think it switched back and forth between men and women, but on this specific episode, there was one woman who was the bachelorette, and then there was three men, and there was like a partition between them, Mm -hmm. so she could ask them questions, but she couldn't see who she was talking to. Mm -hmm. They brought back a version of that recently. That's surprising. Yeah. Well, he went there. He was on there. And it was really weird. Um, He was described as a successful photographer. They did not mention that it was um, child pornography, but he enjoyed skydiving and motorcycles. And to be completely honest, I that was before I was born. And I don't know if... I think it's cringy because now it's definitely cringy or if it was cringy back then too. But the bachelorette, whose name was Cheryl Bradshaw, she ended up picking him like as the winner or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) There's no way for her to know, Jill. I know. But listen, this is this is just one of the things. Cheryl asked him to describe what kind of a meal he'd be. And he have you heard of this before? This case? No, I haven't heard of this case. I don't think. There's a lot going on, though. His answer to what kind of meal he'd be was, quote, I'm called the banana, and I look really good. Peel me. Interesting. Is this, like... Interesting choices have been made. If you were dating in the late 70s, please let me know if that is freaking weird. But it's just very cringy. Um, Again... I don't know if that was attractive back then, but she did pick him, and then they were supposed to go on a date, but she met him backstage, and she talked, and she thought he was super freaking creepy, and so keep in mind, like, the reason I don't know if the banana thing and some of the others, I'll have the clip, I'll have Heather put it in the um, show notes, but it's just like him talking was just cringe. And so, I don't know, because she did pick him as the winner, if everything he said was cringe, and he just, like, or if everything that he said was, like, chill and whatever, and then it was afterwards she was talking to him and was like, wow, this is weird, but... It has to be, otherwise she wouldn't have picked him. Right, it's just, that's just, he just seemed very creepy, but I'm very happy that she refused to go on a date with him after that, um, and listen to her gut. So, um... How do you get picked for game shows like that? That's what I want to know. I don't know, but I do know they did not run a background check. I mean, clearly. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, I do know how you get picked for 
The Price is Right. There's an entire documentary on that. And, I mean, there's no, like, cheat to getting picked, but I know how to make your odds better. I don't know how they picked him for this, but... Okay. <laughs> he was, it was kind of one of those things. Price where he, is Right is not the one that gave this guy a, no. a chance to go on a date with a young girl, but. The Price is Right is like very random, but he was conventionally attractive, apparently, and um, I guess persuasive. You couldn't see him, though. Right. But as far as like why I think they would for pick. the show? Yeah. yeah. I got you. So. On June 20th of 1979, Robin Samso disappeared while walking home from her ballet class. She was just 12 years old and was found 12 days later in the Los Angeles foothills. Her friend said that a strange man had approached them on a beach, asking to take their picture. They compiled a sketch and Rob- Rodney's parole officer recognized him. They arrested him and searched his mother's house, where they found a storage locker that he had. They went into the storage locker and found what they believed to be Robin's earrings. Rodney was sentenced to death for Robin's murder, but there were some issues. I guess during the court hearing, his child molestation charges were improperly given to the juror. Hmm. So that makes it unfair or something. I I don't really know how all the law stuff works. but Yeah, I think that in a trial, you're only supposed to be tried for one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. So like... If you're being tried for, obviously, this murder, then evidence from other cases can't be brought up because you have to be convicted of this murder. And it could sway them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that they should make certain rules for child molesters that air all their dirty laundry out. But... it's just like... We've talked about it before about, like, People who have murdered people in the past are then looked at for current cases or whatever. Yeah. It's that kind of a vibe. Like, then people are going to be like, well, they've killed someone before. But, like, they really might have had nothing to do with the case, you know? Yeah. Which, in this case, we now know that he did. But. Hey. Everybody has a right to a fair trial. Now. It's a retrial It's a retrial. Oh. So, now, trial number two. It was basically the exact same thing. Even without them telling the jury that he was a child molester, um, he still got sentenced to death. It was okay. the exact same thing all over again. But that was in 1986. But at least it was fair. Yes. But then again, in 2001... Is this man still alive? You'll find out. Okay. At the end. So, they tried to mess with his conviction again. And this time it was because, according to them... The park ranger. Who wants this guy out of jail? I think he wants himself out. Well, he needs to quit. He said the park ranger who found Robin's body was allegedly hypnotized by investigators. Oh, yeah. Which. That sounds really good. It definitely means that he did not do it at all. Yeah. Um, Makes a lot of sense. I assume that. What does that even, what does that even mean? I have no idea. How does being hypnotized have anything to do with somebody finding a body? Well, and the, the it's not like the park ranger was the one who was like, oh, yeah, we saw this happen. Yeah. It literally makes no sense. Absolutely not related. So I think he was just grasping at straws, but this definitely Well, clearly, but... It, it went in a terribly other horrible direction for him. Good for us, though. Okay. So what happened this time is 
During this trial, we were in the beginning stages of DNA testing. And they reviewed his DNA and were able to connect him to four more murders. One being of Jill Barcombe, who was 18. The other being Georgia Wittix, 27. And the third third being Jill Parentu, who was just 21. And the fourth and final being Charlotte Lamb, who was 31 years old at the time of her murder. A lot of Jills. Mm -hmm. I don't usually hear my name, so that kind of threw me off a little bit. Uh... Another pair of earrings were found in the storage locker. Obviously, like, at the time of of Robin's murder, they just had them in storage or evidence, I mean. But the DNA from the earrings matched DNA from Charlotte Lamb. So, during all this, he decided to, Rodney, decided to write a book called You, the Jury, which talked about how messed up the legal system is, something about his diet. It's just... (laughs) In prison. Your brain is messed up, my good sir. Oh, yeah. He's... It's not... the. I mean, the justice system is messed up. Please don't get me wrong. But in this case, it is not the justice system. It is you. You are murdering people and raping them. Literally. You need to stop. Stop it. So, you know, he wrote the book and threw in there how, like, the fat diet or whatever he was on, low fat, whatever, in the, in the prison was not... Right. I he's don't know. He's just complaining about the food in prison. Yeah, pretty much. So. I mean, you're kind of lucky that people feed you. Mm-hmm. After everything you've done. I would just be grateful. Right. Well, I will say that in, in the book. Did he, he get life or did he get the death penalty? Death. He was on death row. Death row. Yeah. So, you're just lucky you get to continue eating food, my friend. And a lot of times they, I think. You're not talk- my friend. No. And speaking of not being, <laughs> I know he wrote this book, but I will not be putting the link to his book. Does he make money off of it? There's no way. I don't think you can make money. I was going to say. But so like, it really doesn't matter. I just don't want him to get views <laughs> to his okay. book. Well, you, you know? can just Google it then. Jill's anti-linking the book. Yeah. You know, don't read his book. It just sounds terrible. I didn't I mean, read it. I it might be interesting. Yeah. Get into the mind of a crazy person. I do that every day. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. In the third trial, which now had the additional victims on it, he wanted to be his own defense attorney. This man is messed up. Oh, yeah. What is the difference between a psychopath and a sociopath? You know, how many years of combined psychology degrees do we have? Like, I don't know the answer. My My psych classes weren't about, um, like, I took one abnormal psych class, but it was my freshman year, so it's been a long time. And it was, like, a general overview. It wasn't, like, anything specific. I had... Different psych classes. I had, like, more, like, neuroscience stuff. Um, but at any rate, I don't, I don't understand what the difference is. He asked himself questions and interrogated himself for five hours. That is, who, what judge sat on their judge seat and said, this is acceptable? I don't know. He was was rambling. That doesn't even make any sense. No, and how they let it. How do you ask yourself questions and then answer them? I just assume. Is that allowed? Apparently it was then. I don't know if it was one of those things where they're just like, I mean, like, okay, we don't have anything else to do right now. Let's we'll let him ramble and talk to himself. I have no idea. Oh, he, this, I would rather be anywhere but there. This man showed clips of him on the dating game show in court. For what reason? I think just to show that he had five minutes of fame. But his reason for doing this 
was because he had earrings on when he was on the game show. So that meant that men wore earrings then and that the earrings that they found in the locker, they were just his earrings, even though they yeah, had DNA. Yeah, that's why they have someone else's DNA on them. Exactly. So, um, but he, he did. He was in denial. He didn't understand how DNA worked. I don't think many people did at this point, though, right, to be honest. Right, right. Yeah. He was just like, I'll pretend they were, they were mine. They'll never know. What's this DNA DNA thing? is um, pretty serious. <laughs> and it's uh, pretty specific, so. Yeah, so, but he did get a psychiatrist to testify in his defense. And who? Who would do that? Somebody getting paid. How does he have money? I don't know. He I has, mean, he has, okay, I know he said several jobs. We talked about several jobs. Did he get but paid like, for that, though? He's in prison. Like, how does he have money? I, I think, well, I know maybe his mom. He, I mean, he didn't have to pay for a defense attorney unless he paid himself. But where would he even get money for a defense attorney? I don't know. Maybe he didn't have any. Maybe that's why he did it himself. Okay, but then why would the psychiatrist say, yeah, he's good. Well, he's no, a good egg. No, he's not a good egg. They didn't say he was good, so they testified in his defense claiming that he has borderline personality disorder. So I don't care. You still need help. Right, but his he said that it's possible that he didn't even know he committed murders. Because I don't care. You still need help. Yeah. Well, you are still a murderer. I just want to say. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. But with, with BPD, borderline personality disorder, um, we have something that is called a split. And so nothing can be neutral. It's like one extreme to the other, oh. if that makes sense. Okay. I got so you. like if I was like, hey, does this shirt look good on me? And my boyfriend was like, yeah, I guess it looks okay. And I'd be like, no, he thinks I'm fat. He hates me. He wants to get a divorce. We're not even married. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, it's like there is no. No, I get you. I get you. I oh, get maybe you. he just doesn't like I this shirt. I have lows. Yeah. There is like, it's one extreme or the other. So, and and I know that amnesia is something that sometimes happens during I'm these, not but saying it I, didn't happen. I just don't believe him. Well, I'm not saying that didn't happen, but either way, you can't just keep walking around. You've murdered several people. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you realize that it is happening. Additionally, if you did not realize that you were murdering people and there is proof that you were murdering people and you're like, I have no recollection of doing that. Any normal person would be like, yeah, I am a danger to society. Please keep me away. Right. You wouldn't be like, yeah, I need to be on the streets. You would be like, oh, my gosh, I feel terrible for all the terrible things that I've done. And I've ruined all these families' lives by killing their loved ones. But he says, no, I just didn't remember. So I'm good to go. Literally. and It's just not how it works. And I I really like – and I just – I just don't – from my personal experience with this, it was like the second that it interfered with somebody else's life was the second that I was like, okay, like I'm going to get help. I'm going to get medicated. I didn't even kill. I didn't even hurt anybody. I might have hurt somebody's feelings, but like it wasn't like one of those things where it's like, no, I'm just gonna like keep doing this. That's stupid. It doesn't work like that. So anyway, another mental health moment. <laughs> the one we just had, or the one we're getting ready to have. No, that was what we just had. Oh. Um, so. Get help if you need it. <laughs> Please. Tip of the day. Hey, uh, if you're in Missouri, I'll recommend you my, my, my lady. She's nice. So, 
Um, so he was sentenced to death again in March of 2010. I bet he was utterly shocked. I don't know. Because I just bet he was. He was supposedly had a genius intelligence IQ. I just think some people are so smart that they're stupid. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. And this man just doesn't seem that smart to me. No. And I don't know. I just... So, you know, sentenced again in March. But they did find out that in June of 1971, Cornelia Crilly, who was a TWA flight attendant and just 23 years old, was found sexually assaulted and strangled to death in her apartment in Manhattan. And in 2011... After he was linked to her murder, some of the photographs of the young men and women were shown to the public in hopes that he had taken of them. The, there was a lot that were, like, too graphic. Can you start over at the 2011? Yeah. So, he was, like, found guilty of Cornelia's... They found out that he was the one that did it. Her case was unsolved until 2011. Okay. So, he was linked to her murder, and then... After this, some of the photographs of the young men and women were shown to the public in hopes that people would recognize them and possibly link them to other cold cases. Okay. Around 20 women came forward saying that they were in the photos and a couple families said they had recognized the person in the photo as someone who disappeared and had never been found. But not until 2013 was a cold case linked to Rodney from the photos. This was when a photo... A photo of Christine Thornton, whose body was found in Wyoming in 1982, at the age of 29, was recognized. After his 2010 conviction, New York authorities announced they would no longer pursue Rodney because of his status as a convicted. They would no longer pursue him, like trying to charge him with anything else because he was already on his third We've time. We wasted enough time yeah. in trials for this man. Right. So... His exact death toll is unknown. Uh, we know for a fact. Well, they didn't announce it, though. I mean, you'd think they would still say, yeah, we know it's this guy. Well, we know that the, he's directly linked to eight murders. However, there are many more that they can't, like, have not connected him to. Oh. Okay. And authorities believe that he murdered around 50 to 130 people. I just don't understand how people come up with these numbers. Because that's a really large number. Well, they're... I'm not saying they're wrong. Right. But, like, how do they come up with that? If he didn't say, I murdered 130 people, where do they come... Like, where in their brain do they decide that? Well, I think they looked into where he was. And because he was... People thought he was a different serial killer, that hillside person. Mm -hmm. And so I think some of the cases that originally they thought that the hillside strangler guy did actually turned out to be him that did it and so i think they were crossing cases okay um but others were just like oh well we know he was here at this time and we know he now we know he's a psychopath so um but yeah so strong psychopath mm -hmm. so he uh carried out his sentence in california while awaiting execution he died of natural causes on july 24th of 2021 at the age of 77 Okay. Uh, yeah. So, it's definitely a serial killer. We don't know yeah. how many, but they do believe it is obviously a much higher number than eight. And 
all all other kinds of terrible things. Oh yeah, a trauma. serial person, <laughs> just a serial bad person. Serial bad egg. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot to process, but um, I don't recall any details of that case, so I don't think I've heard of it before. Because normally, if I had, I normally at some point I'm like, oh yeah, I have heard of this. You know what I mean? Well, really, so the I only think it was new. The only thing that I had heard of before she requested it was I knew that there was a guy that was on a game show that ended up being a murderer. I didn't know anything else about it other than like the clip of him on the game show. And then they were like, did you know he was actually a murderer? And he was on this game show, didn't know anything else about him or his life. So that was a very interesting to um, look into. And he really lived a lot of lives. What is that? As a burger person, and then another burger person, and then a Los Angeles Times person. I just do not understand why nobody... I mean, obviously, as an alias, I get it. Like, you're not even thinking. Clearly, those kids were heroes, but... Temporarily, because he still got out and did more bad stuff. But... I just don't understand why anyone would give him a job. If he's not using an alias. I don't know how it was back then, but, like, I know he wouldn't be able to get a job now because they background check people. I think even for, like, Walmart, they background check people. Yeah. I mean, there are some stores that will hire, like, felons. Right. Which is, like, you know, like Texas Roadhouse and stuff like that, which, like, good on them because felons need jobs, too. But, like, I don't think he got a lot of these jobs. Keep in mind, he was... When he got this job working at this child, this he was kids supposed camp, to be arrested. Yeah, he was on the FBI's ten most, most wanted. Wanted, yeah, which would never fly today. I mean, it, I just don't know that that's true. Well, okay, yeah, it, I can see that how it would happen on accident, but I just want to tell myself that it doesn't happen. So that the <laughs> next time I'm at Home Depot, I'm not worried about Getting there being murdered. yeah by a John Burger Burger. Burger, burger. Burger, burger. <laughs> I'm glad he's dead. Sorry. <laughs> I know we didn't have to waste the electricity or whatever they use on him, but like. Uh, why was he not killed? It takes so long. 77 though, Jill. I know, but I just want most of the people on death row die on death row without being killed on death row. I just don't understand. Like, I have mixed feelings about death row, but. When was the first time that he was sentenced to death? What year? It looks like the first time was like 19... Well, it started in 1979, so... So 40 years he was chilling yeah. on death row. I'm sorry. You just can't tell me that it takes 40 years to get all the paperwork together. Mm-mm. You just can't tell me that. And I, th- I think we've talked about it before that a lot of people who don't really have anything to lose, to be completely honest, in prison, they will do stuff to try and get on death row because it's a lot more comfortable oh yeah yeah i've seen that too and it's not because they're scared they're gonna die (laughs) like because they know how long it takes so they're just like i'm just gonna like chill out the rest of my days here on death row Mm -hmm. you know yeah i watched this documentary about a guy that killed his um cellmate because he was miserable yeah where he was and he was like, well, everybody else over there gets treated really good because they're on death row. Right. So he was like, if I kill this guy, I will be treated better. 
That's crazy. And he was. Yeah. And so. until they pushed up your paperwork and then you're like, oh no, maybe I shouldn't have done that. He's still chilling. And in 30 years, we'll have an episode on him. <laughs> well, thank you for telling us that story. Thank you for requesting this story to my cousin. I mean, even though he's dead now and his case is, you know, if you have any more information on anything that he may have done, I know there are still photos um, of people who are unidentified if you look them up. And if you have any information regarding this person... We always, always want, you know, victims and their families to have closure. So if you know anything, you know something, say something. Even though he's dead, people still need closure. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't already, please follow our Instagram and our Facebook page. And we will be back next week with another episode. Bye. Bye. Goodbye.